Hey y'all, my name is Nicole Rowan and this is my podcast, a space to encourage you, share biblical truths, get all of these thoughts in my head out and introduce you to some amazing people along the way. For more info, you can go to NicoleRowan.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, today I want to talk to you about church versus business. <laughs> oh, church versus business. I have been in local church ministry for 15 years, my husband and I, and we have seen a lot of things, we have heard a lot of things, and we have experienced a lot of things. And not all of these things are our experiences personally, um, but we have walked with a lot of people in ministry and church planters and pastors and ministry leaders. And oh my goodness, I am just baffled when I hear some of these crazy stories about how people are being treated and how leaders who you know, say that they're called from God to pastor people, to lead churches, are literally treating their churches like a business. It infuriates me because it is not the heart of the Father. And I I have to uh, say this one thing because I want to be fully transparent and honest with y'all. There was a point in my ministry, in our ministry, my husband and I's, where I probably took on some of these ideas. I I took on, because I had learned from other people what success looked like in ministry, I took on um, some unhealthy mindsets about a successful church. And so I have had to learn a lot. I've had to relearn. I've had to, you know, unlearn all those things. Um, and, and so I, I I just want to admit that, I confess that because, you know, I think a lot of people can be the know-it-alls and that is not at all what I am. I often, if you listen to this podcast or know me, I often talk about things that I've already walked through um, and am able to speak from that place. So to, today is not about oh, Nicole thinks she knows it all about church ministry, although I do feel like I know a lot. Um, today is really to to call out and to display, to expose the difference between church and ministry. And before I was in local church ministry, I would have been baffled by any of these things I'm going to tell you because I, I I wouldn't have believed it to be true, or I would have thought, well, that was just one church, or that was just, you know, a weird church or odd leaders. But the reality is, there are weird things happening, <laughs> um, almost to where I don't even know that I can fully trust until I get to know leaders of large churches, I can't fully trust someone who has built a personality platform. Um, and listen, y'all, I'm big vision. I'm like, I want the millions. I want the biggest you know, audience possible because there's hope for everyone. That, that's just how my mind thinks. I'm not a small thinker. And so it's not because the lack of vision that I say this, but it's because I've seen time and time and time again where these big personality platform preachers, gosh, we could call that the PPPs, P to the third power, (laughs) Um, 
I've seen these people just treat church like a business. And I actually think that, um, I don't know, I think it grieves the heart of the Father because it's not what church should look like, you know, and, and different people are called to different ways of ministry. I don't believe that there is one size fits all, but I do believe that integrity, authenticity, and actual people who believe the word of God and teach from it, I I do think that those things are non-negotiables for leading a church. And I think we have to get out of this celebrity mindset of building an empire, okay? You are not capable of building an empire. God is. But you know what you probably are capable of? Building a business empire, right? Like, if we partner with God on things, yeah, he'll He'll touch it and he'll blow it up and it'll be unlike anything we ever experienced. But man, we have to make sure that God stays on it, right? And we don't just use God as a whatever to get what we want, to get the success that we want, okay? Or that we think is godly. So I, I was talking to someone actually the other day and I had recently met them and and they had mentioned that they were on staff at a church that's kind of popular um, where we live and actually really popular where we live. And um, I went to that church one time and felt like, yeah, something's something's a little off. Um, but I can easily walk into churches and feel all the things I can I can pick up on things. And so I, I often try to leave my judgmental hat aside and just, you know, go and receive or bless or whatnot as we're trying to understand the culture here in Tennessee. And so I've been to this church, but I, I didn't know enough information. I haven't met the pastors, you know, to be able to speak into anything or say anything. But this person that I just met was explaining that they were there for several years, not one or two or even three or four, but several years. And um, that they had, you know, done all of the hiring for this church outside of the senior pastors that they had built up different areas of ministries and programs and things. Um, And when 2020 happened, they felt like, you know, okay, people are starting to gravitate towards us, this person and their spouse, more so than than people are gravitating towards the senior pastors. And that feels a little disunified, but, you know, it was because this couple was, they were a little bit more conservative in their views um, than the the senior pastors. And the, the person I was speaking to said, you know, we just felt like the grace was being lifted. And uh, this person said, you know, I don't think that two people can lead from the top. And so, um, we just really felt like we needed out of respect to step off of the leadership team. And so they went to the senior pastors and they said, listen, you know, this is what we're sensing. We are going into very different directions and that's okay. Um, but we want to go ahead and, you know, and step off of staff so that we can be, you know, unified front and which I thought was really respectful. Um, and long story short, in order to get their severance through their job, essentially, they had to sign an NDA. And what that stated was that they would not take 
any of these people that they had hired with them. And so this couple said, oh, well, we're, we, God has not said that we're going to start a church. Um, we're not interested in that at all right now. We just really feel like the grace is being lifted on us being here. And they still had to sign this NDA in order to get their severance. So it was me hearing that was like, goodness gracious, here we go again. There's two other stories I'll just tell you quickly. Um, there was a person that I knew actually personally um, in California and Ironically enough, there was a church in Tennessee, and the church in Tennessee had been established a little bit longer than this church that I knew about in California. And the church in Tennessee had named their church a specific name. I'm not going to mention it here. And this pastor in California was starting up just a really small, you know, baby stages, um, early, you know, birth of a church, and had wanted. Um, to name this their church the same name of the, a church in Tennessee. At the time, she didn't know that was the same name of the church in Tennessee. I'm hoping this is making sense. So two different churches, one in Tennessee, one in California. The one in Tennessee had been established a little bit longer. The one in California was just getting started. And so the pastor in California really liked this name of this church, not because she heard it in Tennessee, but just because she felt like that was the name the Lord gave her. So she names her church this, they go for like a year, and <laughs> she gets an email, or it might, it might have been a letter in the mail, but a notification that this church in Tennessee, <laughs> ironically so, um, different than the story that I just told you, but this, this other church in Tennessee found out that she named her church, the one in California, the same name as this church in Tennessee. <laughs> and so they sent her a Caesar to desist letter saying you cannot name your church the same name as ours. We already have it. Well, they're across the U.S. from each other. And so my friend, my pastor, friend in California at the time was like, surely they're not going to do anything about this. Like, maybe they're just letting me know that they're there. And so I said, well, how did they even find out? She said, oh, well, there was someone a part of our church and they moved to Tennessee and they got involved in that church. And at a meeting, a staff meeting or something, that person said, so cool that God would lead me from a church in California with the same name to this church in Tennessee. I think it's just so cool. Well, they heard that and said, wait, there's a church in California with our name. And so they sent this poor church in California a letter like, hey, our lawyers are going to sue you if you don't change your name. And I'm like, you've literally got to be kidding me. You care more about the marketing and your image, your brand, than like a church that started that's like a baby church in California? Have we come to a place where so many people around us are getting saved? We just have nothing else to do with our time? No. We've come to an ignorant, disrespectful, humiliating, in my opinion, place to go after another church that has the same name. Well, good grief. You've got to be kidding me. Okay, now I'm getting fired up. Okay, my third story is there was someone who was at a very large megachurch, um, actually in California. We spent a lot of years in California uh, doing local church ministry, and um, this person was at a, a megachurch. Um, they end up stepping off of their staff, and when they stepped off their staff, their it's kind of a weird story, but essentially the church had given the 
the down payment for this couple's home or was somehow financially invested in the home to be able to stay on staff at this mega church in California because, you know, it's very expensive to live there. So that was probably part of the contract when they were hired, like, hey, we'll help you find a place to live if you come and work for us. And so somehow there was finances some in some way tied up to being on staff at this church. And so this family had lived in this house for many of years and built community, all these things, right? So when this couple goes to step off the staff at this megachurch, the megachurch says, we'll give you the money from that house if you move X amount of miles away. And I want to say it was like out of the state of California. So this church literally would not give them the money that they had put into this home because I think it was like the couple and the church came together to put this deposit or this down payment or however it went on this home. And the church says, basically our home, so we won't give you this money unless you move out of state, essentially. Like, so bizarre. Are you kidding me? Ay, ay, ay. So those are just obviously three quick stories of ridiculousness, of the church acting like a child, of church leadership acting as if they have, you know, the power to treat people that way, to treat the 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 body of Christ like a business. I mean, do you believe, you know, that God is like, yeah, absolutely, don't let them have the same name of that congregation, like, don't let them have the same name of their church as yours. Do you think God is concerned about that? Because y'all, I sure don't. I think God is like, are, are you kidding me? You're, you're going to hire a lawyer? To, why don't you hire a lawyer to like go help people on the streets or like help people within your own congregation? Do you think God is like, yes, make them sign a, a non-disclosure because, uh, you know, we don't want to share people. Well, we don't want to be unified. Like, what would it look like, y'all, if these churches, whether it was bad blood or not, which I didn't hear bad blood out of any of these situations, but, you know, even if it were, like, what if what if people, leaders of churches were able to come to a table and say, hey, you know what? We are going in two different directions, but I see the call of God on your life. Let us plant you. We're going to sow into you $20,000, $10,000, $100,000, whatever it may look like. We're going to we're going to sow into you as fellow sons and daughters in Christ Jesus because we want the gospel to be sent because we want people to be saved. We're going to sow into you. Go plant a church. You don't have to give us credit. You don't have to tell anybody we gave to you, but we want to sow into the kingdom of God, not our personal image and brand and marketing, right? Like, what would it look like if someone says, hey, we, we feel like, you know, we're going in two different di- directions. We need to step down. And those senior pastors, instead of having pride bubble up, instead of walking around as if they created the stinking kingdom of God, what if they said, listen, man, this is painful. This hurts so much. We don't understand. But the, the kingdom, you know, the gospel, these things have to be sent. And so whatever way we can support you, we're in. But no, you know what happens? Pride comes in and the lack of humility comes in and it causes people to be disunified, to be broken up instead of being set apart, instead of being a light on a hill to shine for everyone else to see. 
we become just like the world. We look just like the world. We look just like a ruthless business. And it breaks my heart because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all sons and daughters. You're still a son or a daughter of Christ Jesus, even if I disagree with you, even if you make me mad, even if I don't like that I came up with a really cool name in a dream with the Lord, and then you named your church after that. Like, cool, God, that's awesome. Like, what if we looked differently? What if we looked as if we were in the same family of God? I mean, it's like... It's so crazy to me that we've come to this place where I'm like, could the disciples have been upset about this? Like, like could 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 Paul have written to Timothy and been like, hey, Timothy, don't name your church the church because I've already named several churches the church and um, I'm going to send legal to come and get you. <laughs> like, like you're probably listening to what I just said outside of my silly accent or whatever that was. And you're probably laughing. You're probably like, that sounds so stupid. You're right. It does. It sounds really ridiculous. And yet we have people doing this. We have people in a, in a pulpit on a Sunday morning telling a congregation, forgive one another, love one another, bear one you know, with one another for love is kindness. And it's like, you're acting a fool behind your desk with closed doors. Come on. Who do you think you are? We serve a king. We serve Jesus, an almighty father who is incredibly protective of his children, who who is incredibly protective of those who've yet not heard the word of him, the gospel. And you're over here concerned about, you know, an NDA and the name of a church and make sure that you don't plant a church within so many miles because, I don't know, some people might come and those are my people. Those aren't your people. Wrong. Those are God's people. They are not your people. They never have been your people. God has entrusted you to lead and to love and to grow and to pour in and to disciple, but not to hold on to as if those are your children because they're not. And I can feel just the heart of the father grieving you guys. Like I, I just, I sense it and it makes me mad and I have to, I have to step back and I have to go, you know, we're not all perfect. I'm not perfect. You know, I, I'm not a perfect church leader. I'm not a, a perfect leader. I'm not, you know, I'm not any better but we have to talk about these things because we have to figure it out because the world is watching. The world is watching us, is waiting for us to look different than the ruthless business they came out of, than the family that hurt them and betrayed them and left them. The world is looking for somebody, a group of some kind to look different. And yet, All we do is continue to look worse in a lot of cases than the world. We continue to treat people as if they're a number, as if they're a checkbook or a credit card, I guess, these days. You know, we just continue to treat people inside of our churches as if they're not a son or daughter of the king. 
and we allow our disagreements to get in there and then we ride in on our on our you know prideful horse thinking we're making the best business decision for our church and it's really for the church and God said let them go and God said burr 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 and it's like hey maybe God gave you instructions on on you know which way to go or not go with certain people that have partnered but the reality is like he's he's not acting like a fool in a lot of ways that that we do right he's like hey love one another as i've loved you what does love look like love looks offensive love looks like not having all the answers love looks like blessing even when people are cursing you it looks like giving the shirt off of your back after they've already stolen from you love looks differently at least love in Jesus does. And so I just, man, my, my brain was going round and round today as I heard this other story last week. And I just thought of these, you know, a couple other things that I had heard. And I'm like, man, where where did we go wrong? Like, <laughs> what happened to get us to this place in space? Unless it's about building images unto ourselves if it's about what we look like and how we're portrayed and what we can give off and who we can meet and what we can do for the kingdom what we can do for heaven when it's always only just been about him it's only ever been about jesus it's only ever been about his platform and his image and his cross that he carried it's only ever been about Jesus. It was never supposed to be about us. We are but a temple to release the word, to bring people in, to love in ways that are offensive. That's our role. That's what we're supposed to be as ministers, as pastors, as church leaders, as attendees, as the body of Christ, that we would look differently and uh, my my heart just grieves. My heart grieves hearing some of these stories and knowing that this isn't, you know, the few, that there's more. And so if you're in a church and you're not asking these questions, I'd ask them. If you're looking for a job in a church, you need to ask these questions. If you feel like God's calling you to start a church, it is the hardest job it, it, you're not off. It's not just your job, but it's your fellowship. It's your community. It's your family. It's your extracurricular activities. It's your weekend. It's your weekday. It's your emails. It's your cell phone. I mean, it's a whole different kind of work, right? But we work unto the Lord, not unto ourselves. So these are questions we have to ask if we're going to be involved in the local church, which I believe Everyone should be involved in the local church. But I do believe prophetically that God is doing something different. And honestly, y'all, I don't even like saying that because I feel like there's a lot of people saying the new wineskin and God's about to do something different and there's a new revival and a pop, 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 pop. And I just honestly, I kind of roll my eyes <laughs> at it because I'm like, yeah, but what are you doing about it? What's God saying and what are you doing? I don't want to just hear you know, for the for the shakes and applauses and the hoorays and the, whoa, you're so prophetic. I, I'm not down for that. I want to know what you're doing. 
If God is saying there's a new wineskin, then I need you to go get in your prayer closet. I need you to ask him what that new wineskin is and what your role in that is. Okay, and if God is saying I'm shaking up things and I'm exposing things and I'm going to do this and do that, well, then I need you to get in your prayer closet and I need you to figure out what your role is in that. Because we need people who are hearing from God and actually setting, you know, feet to action. Who aren't just saying, well, God is saying this and God is saying, that. oh, do you hear what's happening at Hillsong? He's exposing. Cool. What you doing about it? How are you going to make sure that you don't get exposed? How are you going to make sure that the enemy is not going to come in and do the same thing to you in 25 years? What are you doing now to prepare the way for the king of the universe through your ministry and through your church and through your family and through your community? Are you willing to make the ultimate sacrifice of laying down your life, laying down your image, laying down your, you know, social media influence or, you know, who you know or what, are you willing to lay it all down to sacrifice for Jesus? Are you willing to put all lights and fog and shine on him (laughs) and not just, just you? Are you willing to sing unto him and not just to an audience? Are you willing to and bring people into the presence of God, you know, within your sermons and with the ways in which God's asked you to disciple people. Are you willing to bring them into his presence and not just into your presence? Are you willing to, to let people around you never boast about you, but only about him? Are you willing to, to hear how amazing Jesus is and never hear how amazing you are? Are you willing To give God all the credit and not you. Are you willing? It's a a sacrifice. It's the laying down of one's life. It is the, the burden of the journey of the disciple. It is costly. It is so costly. And it is painful in a lot of ways. God makes all things work together for good. But there are times where it's painful. But it's even more painful if you've put the spotlight on you, if you've pointed everyone to you. We got we to gotta turn it around and we got to point people back to King Jesus. And we have to go after him and not after our influence. It's, 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 <laughs> I, I just think when we get to heaven, it's not even a thing. Now, do I believe influencing people for God is a good thing? 100%. I do. And I think that we do have to use different mediums like social media, like YouTube, you know, like um, a Zoom. We have to use these different things. I do believe in those things. I'm not saying cut it all off. But what I'm saying is, are those things pointing to you or to your pastors more than it's pointing to Christ Jesus? Do you hear things like, God's using me to release this, or I'm the only one called to this, or I'm the only one supposed to lead this, or I, 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 I don't see that in the Word of God. I see there are different offices, right? Pastor, preacher, prophet, evangelist, teacher, 
But I see that the gifts are for everyone. I see that the body is made up of all these body parts and that we need to work together with one another. No longer is this one person, famous face, gonna make it because it is the face of Jesus. It is to make him famous, as corny as that sounds as I'm saying it. It is to point all fingers back to him for he is worthy. We cannot continue to treat our churches like a ruthless business without the interests of the people of God. Only with the interest of ourselves. We can no longer do that. It's not even sustainable. It's awful. It's horrible. But I believe that it grieves the Father. So the way forward The way forward that I'm sensing God on is something really different. And it's not easy. You know, I I hear people say, you know, there only needs to be one leader. Well, why? Because that's how businesses are run. That's how, you know, some families are run. That's how, you know, different um, uh, things and culture is done. But what if the church looked differently? What if churches were more like activation centers? What if what if churches were more, you know, like places that actually served the community with food and fellowship and worship and presence time? Like, like what if the church looked radically different? What if we stopped being clubhouse, you know, country club church? What what would happen? What what would happen to people? Would they get radically transformed? Would they come into fellowship? Would they actually meet people in their church and not just show up and sit in a pew and leave? Would they be able to serve one another and meet the needs of the people like the church of Acts? I think it would look differently. And I think that God is placing this this vision on a lot of people's hearts. And I'm excited to see what he does with it. I'm excited to see those who are going to rise up in true humility, in true you know, with integrity, with the heart after God that will start to lead in ways we haven't seen. I pray that that does happen. But let's not lead our churches like businesses. Let's not be a part of churches that lead their church like businesses. Let's find churches after the heart of God. Let's find leaders that, I'm not saying find a perfect leader because I'm gonna tell y'all what, there's not one, but let's go after humble, integrous people who are not just platform preachers, right? Who are not just, you know, these personalities who they're a good communicator. They're, they have great, you know, stories or examples. I mean, it's, it's not about that. <laughs> Communication is amazing, but um, it's a tool that God uses. It shouldn't be the end all be all. You can be a great communicator and a horrible person behind the scenes, so let's just be aware of these things. Let's, let's change the future of the church. All right, my friends, that is it for today. If you got anything out of this podcast, please go subscribe and leave a five-star review. And until next time.